You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there are entertainers. There you <laughs> go. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Leanne Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz of Trained Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey, everybody, welcome to Pro Talk Outdoors. We are full on ready for bass fishing. You did some in Tennessee and absolutely set the world on fire. I don't know if I set the world on fire, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not, not much of a braggadocious type guy, Well, JP, I, I did the I, bragging for yeah. you. That was me setting you up to, to talk about the fours and fives that uh, you caught multiple of. Well, it, it kind of goes back to uh, the day I, before I left for Tennessee. You know, I went and uh, just hit a local local pond and uh, caught a couple big ones, a couple big girls. They were, uh, <laughs> they were up shallow and uh, did some... Pitching with the old Barrett Sweet Beaver up there in the uh, in the stick ups, and they were pretty shallow. And I hooked some pretty good ones there. And uh, you know, then Savannah was uh, kind enough to to get a hold of me at the beginning of last week and said, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" And uh, I said, "Well, I don't know. You know, it's her weekend. You know, she didn't have the kids, and uh, she had to go down to Tennessee. And she said, uh, "Let's go fishing." So. That's awesome. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, let's uh, let's do that. So so we went, the, the pictures tell the story, man. You guys nailed it. We absolutely did. I, I mean, I can't really take credit for anything that we did, uh, just because um, we uh, you know we we, we kind of bank fished a little bit around Old Hickory. Didn't do much good at all there. Um, then uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to a strange uh, lake that I've never been to before in Percy Priest. Uh, reservoir down there just outside of uh, um, it's outside of Nashville I'm not sure what the actual town is that's closest to it there but uh, so I looked up and I thought I want to see about a guide and uh, 
man, I met up with a super guy, just a, a great guy, Brian Carper, and uh, actually talked to him. I think we should have him on a, on a podcast sometime in the future. And, and uh, But Brian uh, agreed to take us out there, and, and we went out uh, Friday evening, and, man, that guy knew his stuff. He, he knew every rock. <coughs> Excuse oh me. Oh my God! You're getting choked up. You're, you're awful emotional <laughs> about this. I know. Uh, he knew every rock pile and every stump in that lake, and uh, man, we just we wailed on him. Um, I'm gonna need you to hold it together over there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm gonna cough a lot here <laughs> into the mic, but well, I didn't. I didn't have quite the same luck that you had. I I wasn't able to get out until Saturday, and conditions got pretty tough. Uh, it was a it was a cool morning, which I was. 100% ready for, but the water temperature was about 47, and the look of it was about like chocolate milk. So I was fishing in 47-degree Nesquik. I, I had a much tougher day, but it was fun nonetheless, and we're transitioning here into this week, and we got a lot more warmer days coming, and I think this coming weekend is going to be a lot better uh, in this area than what last weekend was. But, uh, man, maybe I should have just gone to Tennessee. Oh, man, I highly recommend going. I can't wait to go back down to Percy Priest and fish that again. I mean, I, that I lake is boat. phenomenal. Uh, it, just unreal. We we were throwing uh, square-billed crankbaits um, in, like, a, a red crawl color and just wailing on them. I mean, there was one point um, I, I caught the biggest fish. I'm not bragging again because I don't do that, but I caught the biggest fish. <laughs> But uh, you know, Savannah, um, she she had caught a couple of smaller fish, and and uh, she was in out of the back of the boat, and I was in the front of the boat. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, there was at one point there where uh, I think she caught five fish in seven casts. That's pretty awesome. And, and they weren't just, I mean, they weren't regular fish. I mean, one of them was almost five. She caught a couple that were three in the three to four pound range. I mean, just big fat pigs, you know, just real healthy looking fish. And uh, <laughs> just, we just had a ball. Uh, good time out there. Man, I'm I'm jealous, and I'm just counting the days to Saturday to when I can get back after it. Yeah, bad thing is my thumb is still Shut tore up. up. It's I still sore. I don't have time for this kind <laughs> of crap. We're about to talk some turkey hunting, though. Uh, it's spring, and, and as much as you and I love bass fishing, we do love our turkey hunting as well. And uh, we're saving a lot of those good topics for our guest, a guy that's a, a good buddy of the show here. We've had him on a couple times before, and, and glad to have him again, Mr. Craig Fitz. So we're going to toss it to a break and come back with him. <laughs> Whether you're a field or a float, a good knife is a necessary tool to have at your disposal. Cavemen couldn't go without it, and you shouldn't either. If you're looking for a lifetime guaranteed American-made knife that will hold up to next level abuse, we've got just the thing for you. Big Tough American Knives bring more than a cool name to the table. They bring small batch, handmade knives with a lifetime guarantee to outperform mass-produced competitors. And if you snag a field knife you love, give Josh and the BTAC team a shout-out about some of their kitchen or processing knives as well. Big Tough American Knives is the official blade of Pro Talk Outdoors. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. JP and Dave live here talking to Craig Fitz. And uh, Craig, man, you've been on our show a couple times before and we, we've talked a, a variety of different things, but uh, you're right now, as we speak, in the woods putting out cameras for turkeys. Uh, tell us why you love doing that and, and what you can gain from it that you know that a deer hunter wouldn't understand, or, or maybe they would 100%. Maybe it's the same strategy, but tell us about it. Well, it's about, it's about just like deer hunting, where uh, checking cameras and putting them up is just about as fun as it is hunting them. 
And uh, so right now I'm on a new piece of property that I actually just picked up about three days ago, turkey hunt. And uh, well, I think we done hit a jackpot, so I can't wait to put this camera in. I'm actually just putting it on a little opening right here at the end of the road. And hopefully they use it to strut and, and walk down. I've seen some tracks and stuff like that, so we're going to find out. Hopefully I get one puffed up a little bit when I come check it next time. Are you in Louisiana right now? You down in your I home am state? in Louisiana. All right. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, Dave, JP, get your turkey tags, or is that what I heard? <laughs> we're going to get as soon as I find some inventory, I don't know what we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, buddy. So tell me, obviously this is still March, and yeah. turkey seasons kick off at all different times of the year all across the country. I know it, it seems like the southern states kick off sooner, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasoning behind that. And we kind of got into the biology of it around this time last year. But I want to ask you from a hunter's perspective and somebody who films his hunts and tells stories with it, What's your thoughts on all the different wide ranges of season dates? Well, I tell you, that's a very, actually a very good question, especially from where I am. Um, so I hunt a lot in Mississippi and Louisiana because I'm pretty much on the border. And uh, I live in Louisiana, but, I mean, I'm 30 minutes from Mississippi. And um, the it, Mississippi season starts on March 15th and has since I can remember. And we've uh, Louisiana season always started uh, a week after um, or two weeks, I can't remember now, um, from the Mississippi season. Well, last year, Louisiana made a decision to move it back even further, and now we do not open until the week, uh, first weekend of April. So this year will be April 6th, which um, is about three weeks behind from where we usually opened. And uh, a lot of people were upset about it last year. A lot of people understood it. They had a lot of mixed emotions uh, across the state of what was good and what was bad. Well, I don't know if it had to do with that happening and then pushing that season back. And, the, the, you know, the reason behind it was to try to get those uh, the, the gobblers in time to breathe the hens that may not be able to because the season was open too soon, right during, you know, peak mating season. So a lot of them got killed before they even got to breed. Well, I, like I said, I don't know if it 100% goes to it being pushed back last year, but there, the population this year of you know young poults and jakes and things like that are way above than what it usually is in this state. So, and I don't know if it, like I said, I don't know if it was perfect climate last year, or uh, and that was a combination, but something worked. So, um, at, at first I was not for it, and now I think they've changed my mind. I kind of like it. Well, I love that you brought that up and, and mentioned the, uh, the the dates changing and, and uh, the benefit to the, the next year's crop of uh, poults. Cause that's something we deal with in Indiana here. We have a very late season. I mean, it comes in. April 24th this yeah, year. Yeah, it's, it's like the last Wednesday of April every year. And uh, mm-hmm. it's it, it struggles every year. It's a struggle every year for hunters because I see guys all the time posting on social media like, Man, our season's a month too late. And, yeah, probably for the most, you know, uh, action as far as getting toms to come in and just beat the heck out of decoys and stuff like that, yeah, it probably is. But what it does do is allow us to have, a uh, you know, a good crop of poults every year, you know, taking the predator uh, factor out of that. So, yep. you know, the later the season, yeah, it's kind of a pain and the birds are doing something different every year than, you know, than what other guys in other states get to do. But uh, they still get out there and act a little silly sometimes. Yeah, well, the, the, to put it in perspective, you know, Mississippi, it's, it's been open two weeks now, uh, three weeks if you include youth season, and they have a lot better population than we do in Louisiana already. But let's just put it in perspective, in three weeks, um, 
it's been over 4,000 birds checked in. So, wow. yeah, so if, you know, Louisiana's not too far behind that whenever you open the season up. So that's 4,000-something birds that didn't have a chance to breed. Or in Mississippi, they may have. I'm just saying that's in Louisiana, it may may have been 2,000 of them that, you know, got to breed. And therefore, uh, so that, that helps, you know, if you do that year after year. So let me ask you this, and this may be an out-of-the-box thought and, and too much into it, but what if you alternated every other year kind of shifting those dates a little bit? Do you You'd think... be having all kinds of poachers out there, accident yeah, yeah. poachers. People, that's people what can I would barely think. keep up now. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, f- fair enough. That's yeah. yeah that's, that's. I mean, I like yeah. that idea because I was thinking the same thing whenever Craig was talking about moving the season back for well, that year. It just felt like it... a natural thought, you know, just for the conservation aspect of it, if you could do that. Mm-hmm. But I, I see your point. You know, folks having a hard time keeping track. Yeah, and then last year, you know, when, when it was the first year they did, and everybody was like, well, they're going to be gobbled out and everything. They weren't. There was It was just fine. There was no problem, um, if not even better. Because I know, like, in Mississippi this year, some people had great hunts. So I'm not going to say for everybody, but for us, I mean, we hardly had any gobbling, anything. They just weren't, you know, weren't doing it yet. Uh, so I feel like, you know, it, it may have been too early, you know, before Louisiana season. So what's your strategy when it's early season, you know, as in late March kind of area versus a season that comes in in April to, to mid-April? Uh, as far as, like, how to hunt them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you hunt them? You, you're you... hunting. I'm hunt, I hunt the same way. There's no difference because, um, like, and now if I was up north, and which I don't bow hunt turkeys, but if I did, uh, like in Nebraska, I know their season comes in pretty soon here, and all the birds are grouped today, up basically. Actually, you know, came in today. today yeah. there'll be uh, you know forty to sixty to a hundred in a group. Well, I've never actually had to hunt like that, but um, because here, I mean, even if it's early, I mean, you're only worried about five turkeys at a time. You know, maybe that's good. Um, so uh, I hunt them the exact same way every time. I go listen for them, hear them gobble, try to get in close, and start the day off like that. And then usually, you know, you're gonna have a two-hour break where they're not seeing anything, and then they'll pick back up at 10 or 11 o'clock. So that's that's basically how we hunt them, and that's how we hunt them no matter where we are, no matter what time of year. That's just what we do. And basically, if they're not gobbling, then we're pretty much uh, we're pretty much, for lack of a better term, screwed for it. So because uh, that's that's how we hunt them. Now every now and then we'll go sit in a plot where we know they're frequenting, but that that doesn't happen very often. So you're you're definitely a runner and gunner from the sound well, of it. I mean, I would say 95% of the time that's what I'm doing. But the only time I don't do that is if my six-year-old's with me, which lately has been a lot. So so what about decoying strategy? Do you change yes. that up ever? Yeah, so in our early season, I like to um, uh, use a jake or a hen or a jake and a hen because at that time, you know, they're, they're still trying to establish do- dominance pretty heavy. Now so your early season, what frame are you talking here? Because that's that's kind of what I'm getting at is early season. Yeah, that early that early season where they're still trying to establish dominance, which is about right now. Kind, okay. kind of pre-breeding um, more so, right? Yeah, pre-breeding. Yeah, and and some of them are breeding. I mean, there's there's hands already going to nest. You know, I mean, here and that's very common. But they're still trying to they're still doing dominance right now, and uh, so Jake decoys work pretty good. Um, typically in the past this year. Not so much because there are so many jakes, to be honest with you. The longbeards are coming around very, very slow. I mean, we called in 30 different jakes first weekend of the season. I wow. mean, it's just, it's been, it's been crazy. So, therefore, the jakes are actually uh, running the longbeards off. Uh, one morning, Slade and myself went hunting and had a bunch of them gobbling and longbeard coming to plot right off the bat. We were like, finally, no jakes. Well, then here comes three jakes, ran them off. And then, uh, we, you know, we used the strut decoy to scare the jakes off. And then, uh, 
we called in six more in the same exact spot. So uh, it, it's just been one of them. I call it the year of the Jakes. Well, you know what that means for next year then. It's going to be a lot of two-year-olds flopping. It'll be a whole correct. lot of fun next year. <laughs> yes, it's going to be great. Oh, shoot. So it, it, what about it, Mississippi and uh, Louisiana? Mm-hmm. Are those uh, are those all-day hunts down there? Are they noon cutoffs? Nah. What are they? Yeah, it, it, we uh, you can hunt them all day, but our evening hunts are not near as good as uh, like in the in the Midwest and the North, where you know we'll go obviously later in the season, um, and where you can actually do pretty good in the evenings. Here, if you get one goblin past noon, he's pretty much dead. But that don't that don't happen very often. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of. Uh, you know, the midday or the afternoon hunt, you know, around mm-hmm. uh, around Indiana is pretty darn good because uh, birds get pretty lonely. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, we're, we're really on the – at the beginning of our season, they're usually either hinned up pretty good or yep. on the post-breeding uh, cycle, really. And then, you know, if you don't kill a bird off a fly down, you're pretty much done till around 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know? and that's, then, pretty much, that's pretty much how it is here, except the problem is, uh, ours never fire really back up like up there. You know, we'll go to Missouri and Kansas and all that. I mean, like you said, hey, 11, 12, 3 o'clock here, I mean, it's pretty, it's dynamite, you know. Yeah, but you can get them here, fired up. Man, if you do get one here, you, you might as well just sit down where you are. He's coming. But that doesn't happen very often. So how many different states are you going to be hunting in this year? Uh, this year I'm, I'm slacking off big time. Um, my son's really into it now. He's six. Um, he loves it, and uh, so I'm staying at Louisiana, Mississippi mostly. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to go to Texas this past weekend, and I uh, had some issues come up that uh, we had to cancel, so it was supposed to be me and him. So I'll probably make one trip with him to Nebraska. I'll go to Missouri to the kingdom to hunt there, and then um, pretty much other than that, I'm at home. Okay. Well, so that's not yeah. bad. Now, usually, usually I go a lot more, <laughs> but – but not this year. So uh, overall, I'm then, coaching his T-ball team too, so that's hard. Oh well, good for you. Well, overall, though, I mean, what's your best state for for your style, for the way you like to hunt? Where do you think your your skills are most catered to? Nebraska. And why is that? Open territory, and you can use decoys. Okay. Okay. And there's a lot of birds, and you can kill three, and you can kill all in one day. I love Nebraska turkey. So. I'm with you, man. I lo- I went to Nebraska last <laughs> spring. I love it. That's my favorite state to hunt by far. Well, you're I mean, you're in the eastern so part, aren't you? Uh, I'm in southwest. Oh, you're in southwest Nebraska. Southwest okay. Nebraska. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I hunted. I hunted up around uh, Chadron up there around northwest Nebraska. Yeah, I, I hunt in southwest, and then I kind of hunt. Um, we'll go one or two days up. Uh, I guess it would be more central west. Um which is a little bit more because uh, where I hunt is kind of a hybrid between Rio and Merriam. Yeah. Every now and then you'll go out in the field and there'll be a bleached white tip strutting right next to a cream. I mean, it happens all the time. And then we'll go about an hour and a half north of where that is, and all of them are bleached white. Yeah. So, okay. I like them because they gobble a lot. They come in. They love decoys. And, you know, me, I, I, I can call okay, but I'm not the greatest caller in the world, so I like that. I love that. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, sorry, JP, I, you got a thought, I know, but no, I, I was just, uh, I was just thinking. I don't remember, Craig, if this is something we talked about on the podcast or if it's something you and I talked about off the podcast or whatever. But I know before I went to Nebraska last year, I was talking with you about it a little bit, and you said something about um, 
I, I don't want to use the word dumb, but those turkeys out there are kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're a lot man, dumber than the ones here. I you, you are not kidding. I, I literally, um, I, I literally shot my, my, my first bird out there. Um, and you know, it was bow hunting cause it was, uh, you know, the opening yep. weekend archery there. And, and it's good there. I mean, oh my like, gosh, man. Yeah. It, 80 to 100 birds in a mm-hmm. flock at a time and but you know i shot my bird <coughs> excuse me shot my bird and he he kind of limped off there and i went after him on foot and you know anytime you do something in the midwest after turkey you know if you they can be 400 yards away and you move they're going to take off and be gone yep. these birds were still i'm talking 100 yards away from me still strutting and gobbling and carrying on while i'm out there wrestling this other bird down it, it was yep. just unreal i couldn't believe that the stuff you can get away with over there absolutely it's crazy and i completely agree with you but that's why i like it that's why i love it and this is the perfect you guys didn't get off topic from my thought my my question was going to be is something like this if the bird is a bit more cooperative instead of dumb we'll we'll use a better better word here that those birds are cooperative i like that jp i like i'm I'm a wordsmith every once in a while yeah i'll use it (laughs) but if they're more cooperative like that does that cater more to taking a new hunter out you know let's say somebody joe blow lives in a metropolitan area and there's no turkey anywhere that he knows of and his buddy's a big hunter and and wants him to experience it for the first time you know should he should he take him somewhere where there's easterns where there's miriams where there's rios osceolas you know rios Okay, and and tell 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 me why then is it the same reason that they're just cooperative or is they're it just very more fun? Why do you think uh, my son's two trips are going to be Texas and Nebraska? Okay, because that's exactly the reason. It's because the more cooperative a bird is, the easier it is, especially for a new hunter. He's not going to be bored. He's going to like it, and once he experiences that one time, that's all he needs because he knows what the the end result is. You know what you're what you're going for when you're in tough states like. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, um, and, and states like that where it is tough, you know. And, and you don't get me wrong, you can go out like the other morning. We went, my son and I, and a landowner that I own on, and we killed so quick that I, when I took a picture of it, I mean, the flash came on. I mean, it was, you know, it was quick. I mean, but that that's not typical here, you know. That that's that's uh, But you can get them like that. You can wake up one morning and he's as dumb as a, pile of rocks and he comes running right to you and then the same bird two days before that you know you could have called and he went the other way you know it's just here's a it's just a little bit better chance up there and i think it's because of population uh rios are a little bit um they're a little bit better off as far as um making it in the wild i guess you would call it and uh, a little tougher so their population is a little bit better obviously if they live in texas they got to be tough so so for for a guy like you that's filming all this and and telling great stories while doing it is there ever an element where you want to step up and or make it harder for yourself or try something new whether that's you know creeping up on one and reaping it getting the bow out uh, i mean what's your no no you just straight up just in it for the fun <laughs> it, it's a lot of yeah. fun to smash them in the head with a 12 <laughs> yeah, gauge. Uh, yeah. i always said that turkeys are meant to be um shot with bbs in the face okay that's, and, and that's i feel a, that too don't get cute I, with it he you says. know I, get, I yeah. I shot my first uh, long beard with a with a bow last year and and I gotta tell you man it just doesn't feel the same I mean it's a good yeah, accomplishment don't get me wrong yeah. I feel good about the accomplishment yep. but I felt a whole lot better about shooting one in the, in the head with a twelve gauge you know yeah. after that it felt better the way I the way I describe it is look and look don't take don't get me the wrong way 
people that shoot with bows, hey, more power to you. I love it. Like, you know, go go have fun because that's what gets you going. I love it. What gets me going is shooting them in the face, like like David just saying. And to me, it's like I've been on a hunt where people shot them with the bows. It's never a closure where the gun's like boom. It's the hunt's done. It's like okay, there's your closure. With the bow, it's like and the bird flops off. You don't know if he did. Like David told me, I haven't chased him and get it down. To me, I do enough of that during deer season. I don't yeah. need any more heart attacks during turkey season. Oh, fair enough, man. You know that yeah. make a lot. And of as far points. as like a challenge, I will. I, I'll, I'll even tell you even further saying no on that because if I go to a place and somebody says, "Hey, um, this such and such bird name, we call him Harry." I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. He's always in this field down here. I said, "Well, look, y'all can go hunt him. I want the dumbest two year old you got. I don't want one with a nickname." Because you got one with a nickname, he's too hard to kill. A <laughs> hey, good point, man. Good point. That, <laughs> that's some grassroots way to look at it. I that, really that's, like that. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, like I, I killed a, you know, I don't know, at least a four-year-old bird in Indiana last year, and uh, and, and I'm tickled with it. And I, you know, I got him mounted because he's such a big bird yep. and best bird mm-hmm. I probably ever killed. But man, I have just as much fun shooting a two-year-old. They and I mean, they, I'll, they come I'll and put on a show. Kill a big one every now and then accidentally yeah it was complete accidental yeah, yeah he, accidental exactly if he if he comes in there and he happens to dick's and he gets killed he comes in there and he's got a full fan with an eight inch beard he gets killed too yep they, they taste just as good don't they <laughs> yeah they do <laughs> yep. so, so craig let me ask you this then we'll transition just a little bit more and, and stay along that vein of of new hunters uh, yeah. How important do you think hunter recruitment is to, to turkey hunting specifically? We've spent some time and talked about that with, with deer hunting, but we haven't as yeah. much with turkey hunting. How vital is that? Well, it's, it's, it's very vital, and the main reason is, is because of, uh, you know, especially in our area with the basically the, the land itself changing so much, uh, people cutting timber, um, you know, hurting, hurting the population, um, and not necessarily cutting timber hurts population. What I'm saying is just things changing, the habitat changing, thing like that. If we don't get the young hunters involved, then nobody's going to be here for conservation later on to help that, help that process. And I think that's one of the main reasons, uh, to, for doing, you know, to keep young hunters in is basically to keep this sport alive because this is a sport that, um, is very niche, I guess you would call it. I mean, there's only, I think two and a half million turkey hunters in the nation, where there's 14 to 15 million deer hunters. So, keeping this turkey hunting tradition alive is very important. And man, I just I don't understand that. I really don't understand that because from from well, the I standpoint should, I should of correct that, David, when you said you don't understand that. There's two and a half million licensed turkey hunters. Oh, there. there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, there's probably a few more out there, but no, I I mean it doesn't make any sense to me at all because. I would be hard-pressed. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing like killing a big deer, okay? And I'm always going to get excited over that. But there's a level of excitement I feel when I get mm-hmm. out there and turkey hunt and I hear one gobbling and they come in and they're you know, they spitting and drumming. and that That's just something that I don't, I don't want to ever live without. Well, the difference you know, is I, it's an auditory experience. You know, correct. You know, correct. It, you're adding another sense to it. You know, because I mean, unless you you hear a couple bucks fighting or you know hear a grunt or something like that, for the most part, deer hunting is much less auditory. And I think that's yes. the difference is you're trying to appeal to all five senses. You've got the smell. JP the sight, making it scientific over here on us. That's I like, awesome. I like. Well, I can I can give you an analogy the kind of the same way, and I say this all the time. And y'all y'all both know that I used to be a narcotic agent, uh, so I I, I kind of made this analogy up on my own, but. So deer hunting is kind of like 
and um, you know a person that maybe smoking weed or something where the the high lasts a lot longer after you kill it and it's a, it's a little bit more celebratory for a longer time well then a turkey hunt is kind of like crack where you get it done and you're done it's finished it makes sense you're ready for another one and that's what I've always been told oh my god Craig, come on. I'm a crackhead. I didn't even know it. Hey, that's exactly what I call a turkey crackhead. We're, we're crackheads today. <laughs> oh, my God, well, man. Well, hey, look, I, I'm serious. I say it all the time, and I, it's so funny. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, that's what I hear whenever, you know, I used to be on a crackhead, is that, you know, it only lasts so long, I'm always looking for the next one. I say, well, hell, that's like turkey hunting. <laughs> oh you my know, god maybe man. that's a new thing you may have just stumbled on something a new drug outreach program yes. take these guys turkey hunting instead of the methadone take clinic the but man, right. you, could you, you imagine right. the poachers we'd have out there <laughs> there wouldn't be yeah. a bird left they, there that's wouldn't be funny. a season they'd be they'd be out hunting in, in july and august they'd probably be over at tyson <laughs> foods <laughs> Oh, my man. gosh, man. I love that, Craig. That's you know, a good one. We've had a lot of analogies on this show, and I don't <laughs> think one has, has taken a turn quite like that one did. We've never, hey, well, there you go, son. You got me for it. <laughs> but we've never been talking about crack Do and smoking weed. y'all get trophies at the end? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, maybe we should. I don't think you're yeah. going to be getting a participation trophy. You're in the front running for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my shoot. mom and dad told me participation trophies don't count, so I'm glad. <laughs> That's a fact, buddy. Well, well, man, before we let you go, tell us about what to expect on the show this season and, and anything new that folks can keep an eye out on. Yeah, so uh, the main thing that's new, uh, we didn't really make an announcement on this, but Blake, uh, one of our main hosts, um, he is no longer part of it. Uh, not anything bad at all. Um, all good. We're still best friends. Uh, we talk every day. It's just he wants to spend more time with his family and everything. So you will not see the main uh, assassin of the year that always wins that title. He will not be on there. Um, but fortunately, we, we took up some of his slack. Um, and, uh, we, we got a lot of stuff accomplished, so it was really good. Um, you, the two of the things that I really excited was, uh, Slade and I both drew an Iowa this past year and we both tagged out and Slade tagged out in two days on a 170, uh, plus inch deer, Man. um, cause he's lucky and, uh, <laughs> and it took me eight days or something like that. And, uh, I, the king of eight points, I um, killed another 140-inch eight-point, which is great for me. It's, it's the best frame in the world, I, I myself, think. Even though I told myself when I went to Iowa, I said I will not kill another 140-inch eight-point, and I could not pass it up, couldn't do it. When it walked by me, I said, well, I like him too much. It's so, my favorite um, frame, man. I'm with you. Yeah, I love it, man. And, and but, Yeah, but Slade killed the, the giant the second day there, so it was a really good That one. was a beast that he killed, man. I, yeah. yeah. Whew. He sent me a text when he killed, when he shot it. And he said, "Man, I think it might be 170." And he sent me a video of the of the phone. And I said, "Man, I don't think that's 170." And I walked up on it and said, "Oh wow, that video did not do any justice to me." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Craig, what's the best places for folks to catch up and watch those? Uh, it's going to be on Sportsman Channel uh, starting in July. Uh, our uh, season seven, which is crazy that it's that far, and uh, our main airing is Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. What about social media? You specifically. Social media, Facebook, Trained Assassins uh, TV, and then on uh, Instagram, exact same handle, Trained Assassins TV. What, what about you? What if they just want more Craig? CF underscore Trained Assassins TV on Instagram. There we go. Well, man, yes, it, it's, it's been a pleasure as always. Hang with us through the break. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. <laughs>
And man, that was fun. You know, and announcing the knife sponsorship, that's pretty cool. We've, we've officially got the commercial yeah. in there, the live read. So uh, really, really glad to join on with those guys. I don't think, yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I'm i excited about that. You know, because a quality knife is something that, that you don't really miss it until you realize that you don't have it. And, right. and what I mean by that, that kind of sounds weird, but you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're cutting up some wild game, or you know, if if you got s- some knife work to do, you know, all of a sudden that cheapo knife that you got from Walmart or wherever just doesn't cut it anymore. No I, pun intended, but I, yeah, I've always <laughs> thought. I mean, the most dangerous knife is a dull knife. Oh yeah, uh, and you know, and if if it gets dull quick and you got to do some sawing or put more pressure than what's safe. Uh, it's just it makes me nervous. I've seen a couple guys uh, like Eric or Craig over in Kentucky this past year that got some blood <laughs> going around there because of a, a knife that just got out of hand there. So it's a shame we didn't have big tough American knives before. But now we do, even though we're not big tough Americans. Uh, maybe I this feel will, like we are. Maybe this will get us a little closer. I'll tell you what we are. Crackheads. <laughs> we're, we're, we're Craigheads. Craigheads. Well, you know. <laughs> that was a fun segment, and I really do like the analogy. I love giving analogies. One of my favorite ones. Leave it up to Craig to come up with that yeah, one. Oh, one, my God. One of my favorite ones in the workplace is, man, there's a lot of places to, to get a ham sandwich. And no, I don't work at Subway, but it feels like if you're in a commodity-based business, it, it really does apply. But if for something like turkey hunting, you know, you've heard with fishing before, the tug is my drug. Uh, really, yeah. I get his comparison, you know, just, you know, as an outside observer kind of understanding what he was getting at there. He made a good point. Yes, it's a good analogy. It really is. I mean, I never thought that I would, you know, uh, associate drug use with the outdoors, but I, I kind of do now. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, we have a new outreach system here. Instead of, uh, you know, doing a 12-step process, take them on 12 turkey hunts and see if that does the trick. I, I think that would, hey, better yet, just get kids involved so they don't get into drugs. There you go. You know, that's the thing. There you go. Well, hey, it was fun with uh, Craig Fitz of Trained Assassins. And, man, hey, hit us up on Instagram, social media of any kind, whether that's Facebook or Twitter. Uh, shoot us an email, text message if you have our number. Whatever, man, reach out to us. Get involved. Yeah, do that. And, folks, uh, make sure you're getting your uh, Maximizer Mineral out there right now. It's a, it's a good time to get that program going. Most of the bucks have shed already, which down in Tennessee, I saw a couple still holding their antlers there, which is a little bit surprising to me this late in the year. But, hey, they're going to be dropping the last of those antlers here really soon and and uh, starting to grow anew. And, uh, you know, for the, the does and the, the lactation for the fawns, need that Maximizer Mineral out there. Get it in the ground, and it won't be long till we be food plotting again, man. We've right. already got our frost seeding done with uh, the clover. and Which I'm looking forward to turkey hunting over my frost-seeded clover. I, I, I yeah. went over top of a deadly dozen plot, and I, I just I have some really, really good confidence in what that's going to look like here in just a couple weeks. That's a couple years that we've done that. We went through, and we had like a, a deadly dozen out, and then following the deadly dozen, you go in your frost seed clover. And I was amazed. That's what we did in Kentucky this past How year. How effective it really is. Oh, my gosh. It's it's a great way. You get rid of all the weed competition because you planted your deadly dozen. And everything's and then, eaten up. Yeah, it's, it's not like there's stuff hanging out in Essentially, there. the deer eat everything down to the dirt. So it's great for frost seeding. And then you got your clover coming back. And, and really, it's low maintenance. I mean, you mow it. And uh, maybe if you got bad weed competition, you go through and, uh, you know, have to spray. But. We didn't even spray in Kentucky last year. We just mowed it probably four or five times and nice and thick. Yeah, and you know, you time that mow maybe the uh, a week before your turkey season comes in, get oh, that yeah. fresh growth coming in. I I think it's going to be dynamite, and I'm looking forward to laying some more footage down. 
get Innistrut Season 2 filmed. Yeah, I tell you what, and Innistrut Season 1, uh, I guess Episode 1, uh, Part 1 for Nebraska. By the time that you hear this, it's probably out there. So, uh, you know, go to our Facebook page, check that out. I don't know if it'll be YouTube. up on Carbon TV so soon, but YouTube. Uh, check out, you know, uh, Season 1 of Innistrut. Got, uh, got, I don't know, six episodes or so coming your way. Should be pretty entertaining. Until next time, hook em or hunt em. Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. Thank you.